You guys actually came back? You could have just stayed down there. I mean, no matter how many times you come back here, it'll be pointless. <laughs> We're about to disprove your little theory. Welcome back to the Furry Doki Pod this week. My name is Lauren. I'm here with Nicholas. How are you doing today? <laughs> Pretty good. I, lo I love that, that that sort of bobblehead thing you had going like, hey guys. It's <laughs> very nice. Oh, thank I'm, you. I'm doing, yeah. I'm doing great, Lauren. How, how about you? Uh, okay. Ah, I'm doing great. Um, I'm really excited to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart, uh, Persona 5 again. Oh, I, thought, I thought you were going to say um, egg tarts. Oh man, I love egg tarts. We just got out of a little chat. We, we were just talking about, about egg tarts. Egg tarts. <laughs> yeah. There's like the Hokkaido egg tart, the Portuguese <laughs> egg tart. Okay. Anyway, yeah. also love egg tarts. Send me some egg but, tarts. But Persona 5, which is not a game about egg tarts. It is not a game about egg tarts. Actually, I will note that Persona 5 has no egg tarts. Oh. Despite being right Scandalous. Scandalous. Um, egg tarts are actually a pretty big thing in, uh, in Tokyo. So yes, I actually, that is actually a really good point of contention. But however, for today's, you know, video game design discussion, not egg tart design discussion. <laughs> this is not the dim sum um, hour. This is not the dim sum hour, but maybe it will be. <laughs> uh, in our spinoff series, just like Persona 5 <laughs> spinoff series, Persona 5 Strikers. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was a segue. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, I really wanted to talk about Persona 5 Strikers, um, which was originally called Persona 5 Scramble in Japan, because we are talking about hardware and we're talking about controls and how consoles really influence game developers. And one of the fundamental, you know, qualms people have about Persona 5 as a, or for this Persona games in general as a franchise is that Atlas, its studio itself, has a contract with Sony. So you can only play Persona games and right the next to the largest one, Persona 5 and Persona 5 Royale, were on the Sony PlayStation 4. Yeah. Uh, I think they also do upgrade to PlayStation 5. I'm honestly not sure. It might be so console driven you can only play them on the PlayStation 4. This is very exciting to me because Persona 5 Strikers is on the Nintendo Switch. And that's because the game developer of Persona 5 Strikers is most notably known for Dynasty Warriors. And I believe their current contract is with the Nintendo Switch. And so since we just stopped talking about, or last week we stopped the discussion on talking about Nintendo's right, design philosophy and getting that an official Nintendo seal of approval, I wanted to look at the game that not only has fundamentally have a relationship with the Sony PlayStation, but also looking at it from the context of how the gameplay itself is a huge departure from the Persona series. So for those of you who don't know, I'm gonna go into a little bit of a backstory for Persona 5 itself. Persona 5 is a game that is turn-based. It is a turn-based, basically, right? Japanese RPG um, or just role-playing game, which doesn't exist. Um, and it has, right, it's very story forward. It has a lot of dialogue. 
it's a 200 hour game. Um, you can complete Persona 5 in under 100 hours for the entire main storyline. Oh, um, and only. <laughs> Usually it will take you about 147. That was my first playthrough. And I say this because it's a long, turn-based, highly strategy game where kind of like Final Fantasy Tactics, you need to kind of know your opponent's weaknesses and then use your own skills against them. It's also got a multi-character class. But when you compare it to something like Dynasty Warriors, Dynasty Warriors is not about strategy and enemy weaknesses. It is primarily a button mashing game with multiple enemies on screen, a huge, right, a camera that you can turn around. And usually you're only playing one guy, maybe one or two, and they all have different weapons. So how do we translate that into Persona 5, which has, I think, eight heroes or eight characters? Yeah. Right? Um, with all different affinities, different persona types. You can actually use multiple personas in Persona 5 Strikers. Also, I just realized I have the digital deluxe edition, and so I get to talk about this three days, five days, three days before it actually officially launches for those of you who got the base edition. I'm on version one, not yeah. 1.02, not 1.0, whatever. I'm on version one. I Warren, once again, holding, lording it all over you plebs with oh, your you mere plebs. basic editions. I will say that my wonderful Twitter follower, uh, Doc Squiddy, uh, he's great. Go give him all the love and... Um, Buy, buy his games. Um, he actually uh, tagged me in a photo of myself in the game. Uh, I play a character known as uh, Futaba Sakura. Um, you can see her on my back wall right here. And he tagged me and said that I was back. I am super excited to talk about this because one, fundamentally, this game is a totally different gameplay than Persona 5. And, and yet, right, the fiction of the Persona 5 world and the art direction that um, for our video uh, watchers out there, you saw. Uh, oh, you want me to bring it back? I'll bring it yeah, back. Yeah, could you bring that back up really quickly for sure. our video users? Yeah. But if you look up, you're listening on the podcast and you've ever played Persona 5, it's very stylistic. Um, in Persona 5 Strikers, it has the same UI elements, the same tactical like screen, the same types of visual effects. And it's this type of art style, this art direction, the music direction, that it really excites me because... It's a different game, but it feels exactly the same. It feels like a Persona 5 title. And last week when we talked about playing Mario games and you're playing these Nintendo franchises and every game is so easy to kind of pick up and get into that Persona 5, something that I would say is not as accessible or not as say easy to understand um, as the Mario games or rather, no, Nicholas, you put it better. Uh, Nintendo is making games for no true target audience. Yeah, no right? demographic. So for no demographic versus Persona 5 is incredibly for a demographic, which yeah. I guess is Persona players. Sure. Weebs. I believe they're called weebs. No, no, I refuse to use that terminology. <laughs> I am not. Yeah. I hate that terminology. I'm also we. Well, I, you know, I am weeb agnostic. I do not necessarily regard it as a negative term, although it, it is consistent. You're right. It is used as a negative, so I shouldn't. I apologize. No, most no, there is actually an article, I think, outside for people who don't know what Weeb stands for. I am actually not going to say what it stands for. Go look it up. There is this whole discourse about how people are taking on the term of Weeb as a moniker for being like otaku like and taking like that on. Querying, querying Weebness? Is that what they're doing? I, 
<laughs> somewhat i guess okay. yeah but oh, um that's weird. another that's, that's a weird phrase as well yeah. uh nicholas i will say however <laughs> all this to say is side rant aside there is a target demographic for persona 5 players i will call them persona players in general yeah. um and then also right but for mario there really is no target demographic like it's not for your kid well some adults might say oh but it looks like it's for five-year-olds yeah but your 50-year-old grandma is gonna have just as much fun Right. Yeah. So, to, um, and, and most further, Super Smash players yeah. are in their 20s and 30s. So, there you go. In right? furtherance of that point, Nintendo does this consciously. Just look at any commercial for the Switch console, not for a Switch game, but for the console. And what do you see? You essentially see this like panoply of individuals, and not just a panoply of individuals, but you also see them in all sorts of different contexts. Like the underlying ethos, or sort of like you could say the design philosophy of the Switch is that it can both be, in other words, oh, how should I explain this? Nintendo historically has often always had like a portable game system in development at the same time that they've had a home console system. So like the Game Boy and the NES, the Game Boy Color and the Super Super NES, uh, the uh, Game uh, Game Boy Advantage and the original Wii. Like so, all so these these things are all sort of in development. Or sorry, the N sixty four, but they're in development at the same time. And so the Switch has in many ways kind of combined them, and you see a bunch of different kinds of people playing the Switch. You see a bunch of different contexts in which they play it, and so that is also a key component of like the not really having a demographic it's like it's the game system that can be anything for anyone anywhere right and that's what's really kind of interesting about persona 5 strikers or in, in japanese it is persona 5 scramble yeah. um and it's because I have they had to for those of and, you who are listening, I have um, a Japanese version of the, the game yeah. up right now. So, so Nicholas, I really wanted to ask you a kind of a, somewhat of a pointed question about this as well. If you can okay. actually look at, um, if you can keep this window open, but yeah. go ahead and if you can look at the Persona 5 like Royale or just Persona 5, like Let the base version on the PlayStation. Um, I really want him to look at the controls for the PlayStation and look at like a gameplay kind of screenshot for that. Because this is kind of what, this is the continuation of last week's discussion about how, while maybe hardware technology hasn't kind of uh, expanded, the software that game developers use has, as well as the controller, right? The PlayStation controller versus a Nintendo Switch controller are incredibly different. So Nicholas, I want you to look at the Persona 5 kind of base version. Okay, so it's Royale's over here. Yeah. And I'm really, oh man, it's always, it's always, it's always this screenshot, I think, because it's very early <laughs> in the game and people don't want to spoil it because spoilers are very big. Yeah. Um, and also Atlas had this weird streaming policy that they've thankfully made lax since COVID. Japanese companies are often very queasy about like Let's Plays and that's a whole another like discussion. Yeah, we'll itself. definitely go into that later. That'll yeah. be really interesting. Um, so as a game developer, yeah. I do really look at controls and figure out what's the best kind of function for yeah. the players. When we look at a screenshot, like in Persona 5, anything that has to do that's very important to your player, such as using an item or jumping or maybe attacking, right? It's going to be on those face buttons because you yeah. want it to be very quick. Anything that's going to have to take a tactical type of thought, you kind of put on the triggers. In first-person yeah. shooters, you know, you aim and you trigger to right shoot 
but then you can, um, and for PlayStation users, the trigger is R2 or L2. Yeah. But in shooters, when you want to shoot from the hip, you're not really thinking tactically. So you don't need to use two buttons, right? Or two hands. So Nicholas. So one of this, one of this immediately reminds me of, it reminds me of things kind of mashed up. So by the way, everyone, I have never played a persona game ever in my entire life. Shame. This is literally, sorry. No, it's okay. (laughs) There are games I have not played. I apologize. (laughs) Um, So what it, what it immediately reminds me of is a mashup of both the like drop menu system in like classic JRPGs, which don't exist. So games like final fantasy or, you know, dragon quest, mashed up with sort of like the wheel-based system that you see in like Dragon Age games or or even in Bioware games. It's sort of like the combination of those two things because you still have a menu system, but the menu system is sort of like drawing your focus into a particular area. Whereas the menu system in say like um, an older Final Fantasy game is kind of off in its own window in a, in a, in a Never Never Land. Here, you're like, it, it's interesting to me precisely because it's it's a menu that actually focuses your attention onto the action on screen rather than away from it. Yeah, and I am going to tell everybody listening right now on the podcast that we really appreciate you listening to this podcast and please stay with us. But this is a very visual discussion we're having. Okay, I'll, I'll describe it real so, quick. So you've got, you've got your dude. Your dude is sort of, if you're thinking about the rule of thirds, it's in the first third. Um, and he's in the bottom left-ish, not quite corner, but near the corner. Um, and around the dude, there's sort of this radial menu. One is order, change tactics, and that's on your L2. So we're talking about a PlayStation controller here. Um, gun, so this is for aiming. So this is the, the D-pad up. Um, you have R2, which is on sort of the other side of where he's standing. Because these, these menus are radiating around him like... Uh, it's almost like he's exploding the commands, which is kind of cool, you know, stylistically speaking. Um, and then you have Persona, which I, again, I haven't played the game. I don't know what that means, which is on your triangle. It does you, say use a skill, however. So Persona is like yeah, use whatever. a skill or ability. Okay, so so special skill. And then you have your square, which is item, a circle, which is guard, and then X, which is attack. Um, this is clearly um, an English version of this game because in a Japanese version, the um, X and um, circle would be switched because of how, what, x and circle mean in japanese yep and that is very true um but but what's interesting about this because the men because the the menu sort of radiates around him and is focused on him and because of sort of the weird kind of like dutch angle perspective that you have between him and the weird tongue thing that you're currently (laughs) fighting sort of in the in the middle distance what's interesting is that sort of by being focused on like if you're a new player like i would be if i were actually playing this the, what it does is it sort of by looking at the menu, you're also looking through the perspective of the game. So the gameplay mechanic, the way the menu is structured and how you interact with it, if you're a new player, is also then harmonizing with the visual perspective that the game wants you to have. Because one of the problems that you can have, like if you think about you know a classic JRPG like Final Fantasy VII, where the menu is completely like segregated from like the the like the 3d cinematic gameplay it's actually drawing your attention away from what is going on and i know this because i was recently playing uh, final fantasy 7 in preparation for a class that i have tomorrow <laughs> um 
I found it kind of distracting. I was like, this is a game I love, but actually this aspect of the mechanics is really annoying. <laughs> to, yeah. To and, and so like you can see that in Persona 5 because it is that tactical turn-based game. We're in this kind of paused state where it's our turn. So we can kind of think, okay, do we want to change our tactics? Do we want to pass the baton to someone else right on our team? Do we want to press triangle and use a persona, which is to basically use like a magic skill? Or I see that my health is a little low. Do I want to actually use an item? We actually also see something else on the user interface that says weak. So it says, it says that this is Persona 5's way of telling you, hey, you have an ability that is weak right now to this to whatever this tongue monster is. For those of you who've played Persona 5, the tongue monster is, as you know, Kamoshida, um, which it is very early on in the game. And by early on, I mean it's in like the first 10 hours you realize he's the boss, which is very early on for a role-playing game. Yeah, early. 10 um, hours. <laughs> 10 hours in, guys. Um, yeah, that's also a lot of cutscenes. I think there's, there's probably four or five hours of dialogue. So look at all of this. There's a ton of UI in here. This is the stylistic of an Atlas game. This was produced by Atlas, developed by Atlas. It's all in-house. It's for the Sony PlayStation. They have an amazing stylistic choice. Let's go over to Persona 5 Scramble, which was not done by Atlas. And let's look at their UI and kind of see how they've taken it um, kind of reflected out. So this is Dynasty Warrior style. So yeah. if you've ever played any of the old Dynasty Warriors or my favorite Gundam Dynasty Warriors, <laughs> um, I don't know, because swogging around in a mech as with a sword is pretty great. It is pretty great, um, actually. Uh, yeah, it's it's fantastic. We still have the party. So the party is on the left side of the screen and it looks like you can switch to another party member with the D-pad left. Yep. Um, this is the Nintendo Switch control, but you also kind of see the same... On this one particularly, I wonder if this is actually for the PlayStation because in the United States, Persona 5 Strikers is on the Nintendo Switch. Oh, but looking yeah. at L1 and R1 and R2, so, these yeah. are totally PlayStation controls. Right, so that is even more interesting to me yeah. because is Persona 5 Scramble actually on the Sony PlayStation? But then for the Western release, they were like, no, the Nintendo gets it. So it's Persona 5 Strikers. It's this is no. And that actually, that would actually explain my big point of contention because what I wanted to show is that the Nintendo Switch version does not feel like it was made for the Nintendo Switch. Yeah, I'm trying to find a non-Japanese screenshot. Most of these are of the I mean, Japanese I could screen. share my screen, but I don't actually know how that's going to work. Like, Okay, well, here's what we'll do. We'll hit stop share. And then what I will do is I will promote you to assistant to the regional manager. And then you will be able to Ooh, share Ooh, assistant well. to the regional manager. Yeah. Can I please have some game? Because I am in the English... Wow, is there no gameplay here? Oh, there's gameplay like over here. But this is also in Japanese. Why are all the screenshots in Japanese? <laughs> yeah, that's the problem I was having as well. I could only find ones that are in How Japanese. How do they know that I'm in Japanese? Well then, why like, don't you, well, then why don't you talk about your experience playing? In, I'm going to, yeah. We're, so this is going to be great. We're going to go back into podcast mode here. Um, I'm going to find my Zoom window. There we go. All right, guys. So. Now back to my experience playing Persona 5 Strikers is the UI that we kind of saw a little bit in Japanese looked like it was for the PlayStation Sony console. That makes complete sense to me. 
because the Nintendo Switch version, I cannot read any of the UI because it was not made for a tiny portable screen. This is not a game that was meant to be portable. This was not a game that was meant to be on the Nintendo controls on the sides of the screen. This was meant for a pro controller. It feels like a Persona game was ported to the Switch console because of how discongruous playing the game is how small all the ui icons are i could not read the tutorials because the screen was so small and they have this dialogue box on the screen and if you've ever played dynasty warriors it's basically combo driven and so you press three buttons in a sequence one combo you press three and then you end it with a right if you've played like any of the batman arkham games it's like you know you have your light finisher your heavy finishers your stuns your Whatever. It's not quite button mashing. It's like button mashing slash like rhythm gameplay. It is. It is a yeah. little bit button smashing, but it's, it is more rhythm game. And I'm going to actually say that with complete confidence because unlike what I consider like Arkham where it's a little bit like, um, like X, X, Y or something, yeah. or even like a fighting game like Tekken where like you really have to hit them in a certain order, but you can also speed doesn't really matter. In this, it is a little bit more animation driven, kind of like Devil May Cry. So if you hit X too fast, you will trigger the X combo instead of triggering, say, like an XY combo. Yeah. This is really important to Dynasty Warriors because since you are fighting, say, 50 enemies on screen at a time, right, it it really is just about that area of effect attacks. Um, It was the original amazing, the original God of War, right, did this very well. Um, another franchise that has gone in a very different direction, another franchise that has gone in a very different direction, but I'm playing the Nintendo switch. And because these combos are so important, they displayed them to me in kind of this hint tutorial style, which is a tutorial that doesn't take up too much screen space, but it's kind of takes up maybe about a third of your screen. Yeah. And that third of my screen, I could not read if it was Y or if it was X. And honestly, in some of them, because they had so many lines and so many buttons I needed to press, I was like, is that Y or is it A? And Y and A look totally different. Now, for someone with astigmatism, they they look a little bit of the same when I'm like staring at a really tiny screen and squinting my eyes. But the fact that I had to do that made me think this game doesn't feel like it was for the Nintendo Switch. No. So... I'm so, and I really don't think that it was now that I see that PlayStation screenshot, no way. And now that you brought that up, it actually reminded me of another Switch game that I thought was going to be really great on the Switch, but then I actually found really annoying to play. And it is one of my favorite games of all time, and that's Katamari Damashi, which is an amazing game. But they did a remake, not a remake, but sort of a port of it called Katamari Reroll for the Switch. But it's fucking annoying to play on the switch because the the switches because un, unlike a playstation controller the switches to analog sticks are not aligned with each other yes oh. one is down here and one is up here but for those of you who have played katamari before you'll know that like that alignment is really important because that is the primary gameplay is how you like maneuver the the two analog sticks against each other so not having them aligned it's like i have this like muscle memory that is literally like probably i don't know what 20 i don't know how old the game is at least 10 15 years old that says like okay no i know exactly how to play this game i've played it for hours and it's tripping me up precisely because my thing my thumbs are not aligned with each other i mean literally like 
my, my wife and I got so annoyed with this that we specifically bought a controller for the switch where the two analog sticks are aligned. No, I think I might have to do that as well, just for playing other games. Yeah. And we looked last week on how the controls and how Nintendo has such a, right, a philosophy for excellence that it makes their games need to use the hardware that, you know, over time, because of their laxing policies, and, and to be fair, have incredibly helped indie developers, right, who, yeah. whose control schemes can match the Switch and who don't necessarily need, like, um, oh, I don't want to... I don't want to say don't need, but like their games do something very differently that the controls work both on a controller yeah. well, and the, yeah, because on the, the controls usually the for those PC. games are much more straightforward. They They're much more straightforward. Yeah. yeah. Right. But like when I'm playing the, a persona five game and here's where it gets truly excellent is that persona five strikers is the potential of a franchise. Like persona fives metafiction and thorough line. Like we were talking about with Mario, like, yeah. Man, the world makes so much sense that Persona 5 Strikers is a canonical successor. It is a sequel, sort yeah. of, to Persona 5 Royale yeah, or Persona 5. And even though it doesn't say necessarily reminisce or call back to the things that happened, say, explicitly, because they don't want to spoil it, it does very much go, you just saved the world, obvious protagonist. Like, I can't believe you have to save it again, obvious protagonist. Like, yeah. that's not really a spoiler because if you never played it, <clears throat> you could say play Persona 5 Strikers on the Switch. <clears throat> and uh, <laughs> hint. I, I, I don't, um, I don't, I'm, I'm per- completely impervious to your suggestions. I'm just, I know. I have no but, idea what you're talking about. But I do think that it's interesting because even though it has this, like, I really also want to talk about, okay, so like, where can, if Assassin's Creed has failed, right, where do series like Persona 5, right, pick it up? I do have to say and argue that because it is on Nintendo Switch and, and I guess in the West, um, it does just feel completely out of place. I can't view it on the screen. I, I honestly, it's too dark. It's too, the UI is because too small. It, it relates to a point that we made last time, which is that when Nintendo was at its best, is when sort of their goofy hardware is matched by their goofy software. Mm-hmm. Like it, when the two things are working together and sort of like harmonizing with one another, then it produces really interesting gameplay. The problem is when you port a game, you take someone else's conception of hardware and you try to mush your hardware into it. Now, that can work with, say, like, you know, porting between, say, like PC and console or console and PC, because PC is relatively flexible in terms of like how things, you know, keybinds work and, and all that. But the hardware for a console like the, the Switch is I- very inflexible. Like, you, you don't have a whole lot of options in terms of like how to remap things. And also, like, I, like as I was saying earlier, just like the feel of the controls in your hand. And so then you get yourself to this point where like, okay, so if we're trying to answer the question, like what could, like, let, let's say Ubisoft came to us, like, was like, hey, um, we, we want to introduce you to somebody. This is our hapless level designer. We have just promoted them to senior vice president of figure shit out. 
and we have a billion dollars to hire you guys as consultants. And so you and I come on, we're like, okay, uh, we've been talking shit on the internet. <laughs> now we actually have to like make this work. We can't just criticize. We actually have hey, to- Hey, look, I am a professional game developer, okay? <laughs> I have like a PhD in like- I'm talking about happen. myself. <laughs> I'm not talking about you. I'm pretty much talking okay. about you. So, so if we're thinking about, okay, well, well then what was the thing that Nintendo did, did did correctly. It wasn't actually hardware. It wasn't software. It was the harmonization. So if you have a storied franchise like Assassin's Creed that has been doing the same thing over and over and over again with slight variations, and then all of a sudden you start trying to do something else entirely, how do you justify that? Well, you actually use the game itself to explain that. So, you know, we spoiled the fact that Desmond dies and, you know, you're, you're now onto like a different set of, of people. But the thing is, you could have, they could have used that moment. Like you could have essentially said like the old way of doing Assassin's Creed died with Desmond. But now that we have this new person who has to like, you know, deal with a sort of like genetic memory issue as well, but approaches it differently you can then have the gameplay also approach it differently, which is re we're talking about fucking Ludo narrative okay. harmony. Okay. <laughs> yes. No, I know. And then Ludo narrative harmony is my thing. I did. That is what my master's was in. Like yeah. that is, that is what I know. But so here's, it's interesting. So they could have done that. However, yeah. if you, if you know, and you have been playing all the Assassin's Creed games since the first Xbox or whatever you ever got, yeah. um, they did do that. So in Assassin's Creed yeah. four black flag, they changed the camera perspective. It wasn't a third person game. It was a first person game. Yeah. And yeah, that old way died with Desmond because they said that Abstergo now had all of the ways of doing that. Like they always had had, right? But now you yeah. were literally just employee number 27. Your end game trophies that you achieved by playing the game appeared on the shelf behind you, just like this for me. And it was like, surprise, you see how you did that with Edward? Like, good <laughs> job, employee number 27. Yeah. We're so glad that you can access Desmond's memories now that he's dead. Like literally that was just like, thanks for being able to do this. You'd get called into the boss's office and he was like, wow, you're like actually making progress. No one else is making progress. You're a good yeah. employee. Yes. Very strange. Mm -hmm. And then you could, right, hack into other people's computers. But it kind of, died there like assassin's creed 4 was the last step franchise of trying to deal with it but the way they answered that question to try to say hey assassin's creed is going to be different now it's just going to be say abstergo employees was basically saying let's change it to a first person's perspective because you're the abstergo employee and then let's take it from there yeah but, but the thing, then they sorry. changed it again yeah that's the thing and i think part of the problem is is because you were right to point out that they did it and that it worked but i would argue that i think they probably didn't recognize what was happening because yes. if they had recognized what was happening they would have continued to do that instead of flailing which, is, is, what, which yep. is what the subsequent like assassin's creed games kind of did not in necessarily in a bad way because again as we made as the point that we made before which is that like the, the fundamental gameplay like how it feels when you're like you know killing mobs like that's all fine but we're talking about this sort of like lingering like background like is this right it is, like does this does this yeah right? like and that so, is like, what gets lost so look at assassin's creed 4 and then assassin's creed unity no longer five okay yeah. um just in case any of you were wondering the timeline of assassin's creed here unity came after um assassin's creed 4 
Yeah. What's really important about these two titles is that halfway through the development of Assassin's Creed 4 and or you know, at the towards the end of development when maybe uh, I think maybe a writer left or something happened. I'm going to say maybe because I am actually not recounting an article that I read. I am now completely doing supposition here. Yeah. Somewhere in the middle of Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag, all of the meta that they had planned, this first person perspective, um, being able to hack into machines completely got outwritten. They just yeah. were not able to do it. And you can tell because at the end of if you um, at the end of the game, if you interact and do everything that you're supposed to in this first person perspective, um, and you're still dealing with the effects from Assassin's Creed Three, nothing happens. You get no reward. It doesn't change the Assassin's Creed game inside of Assassin's Creed, which the game being um, playing a pirate assassin, which is really fun. Um, unlike it had in every previous title. And that's honestly just because I think that they run out of time and they ran out of development and they ran out of features. And at the end of the day, they had to make a choice as developers. And it was, are you making a meta narrative game where we need to have these both equal or are you going to make the Assassin's Creed game that is the majority of gameplay? Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, they went, well, our writer left for this. Maybe our game gameplay developer left it. This is a first person game and we shouldn't have done first person and third person. So we already made a mistake there. Yeah. Let's cut. We're just going to cut the rest of it and we're going to focus on Black Flag. And they did. Then you see this in Assassin's Creed Unity where the meta continued from Black Flag, but they said, hey, random hapless uh, level. It was really hapless player, to be honest. They were like, thanks for playing this game. Uh, We have multiplayer. Did you know? Um, you can help out other players uh, that call you from the yeah. animus because they're your employees, just like you, employee. And they realized yeah. that their meta narrative for like making the person an employee, generic employee was pretty, pretty bad. But that's when I say you can also see the writer left because I think that writers yeah. at a time can kind of like our brains think a little bit more interconnectively. So we could go, oh, you are still the same employee. Let's fictionize it. Let's just say your name is James now and like, just throw it on there. Well, yeah. But then after Unity, after Unity, they honestly just threw it out because they went to the multi-studio model. Yeah. And then they were like, goodbye. Well, then, then that's where sort of the like feeling of it being all over the place kind of originates. Well, not originates, but sort of becomes the issue that it has become precisely because now you have like completely separate studios, like doing their own thing and their own thing is often good. But the question is, like, are they contributing to a larger whole? And I think that's really what you were getting at. Yes. Whereas the example of, per, like, Persona 5, you do have, like, a fundamentally different studio working on, quote, the same thing. But the reason why it harmonizes, at least I think, you, you let me posit a theory and you can tell me if I'm correct. The reason why it harmonizes is because the game is more than just the story. It's more than just the gameplay, but you also have like a certain aesthetic sense. You have a certain like attitude. You have voice acting, like all of those elements. The problem is that like with Assassin's Creed, those other aesthetic elements can't necessarily remain the same because Assassin's Creed sort of builds itself as, well, the gameplay is kind going to be, like there's going to be a different kind of story each time under this frame. Whereas what Persona can do would be like, well, actually, we can kind of tell more or less the same sort of story again, the same kind of goofy thing, but we'll just do it 
with, with you know different particulars and so it feels like the same kind of game because those other aesthetic qualities have remained the same even if the the gameplay mechanics have fundamentally changed what do you think about that yeah i know i think that that's where you kind of hit on it is that persona as a universe and persona 5 particularly has this very strong I don't want to be like meta narrative, but it is, it's a very strong universe. It's a very strong world with those deep characters. They've got strong narrative qualities yeah. and they are contributing to a larger whole. I wanted to look up the actual developers because we have pointed at them so often. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we might want to actually give here. Them credit. <laughs> and I, I wanted to give them credit <laughs> and persona five strikers is actually Omega force and okay. P studio P studio being the Persona 5, like Persona Studio. Yeah. Um, Omega Force is the, it, it's the Dynasty Warriors Studio. That's Persona yeah. 5 Strikers. And I think what's interesting here is that Omega, Omega, okay. Um, the Omega Force. Do not is, bring the Omega Force I, 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 no, I don't want, no, I don't want those no, weirdos no, coming after us. The, the, well, because it's the Persona 5 multiverse is what I was trying to say, is that yeah. the Persona 5 multiverse is such an amazing kind of conglomeration of developers now that they really are contributing to a Persona 5 narrative. It's that yeah, huge thoroughfare. Exactly. And because right? they're on the same page, because they have they have the same perspective that the game has, or have the same perspective about the game, in the same way that, like, you know, to go back to our Nintendo example, like a bunch of different designers, and Nintendo also has like a decentralized like system where they have separate like teams and studios don't necessarily interact with each other but because they've all been inculcated with the same basic philosophy and the same basic worldview they can produce the same kind of thing without having to be like explicitly micromanaged right yeah, yeah. and i think what's interesting is that there's, so there's also we also talked about how assassin's creed always kind of has this new protagonist time we were looking at Mario, right, or Legend of Zelda, and they all have like kind of the same protagonist. Yeah. But with Persona 5, um, and also, or sorry, and then we also mentioned that Final Fantasy 7 or Final Fantasy games in general tends to have these spinoffs where they put all of their characters into one kind of universe. And that's yeah. been known, most notably known by, say, Kingdom Hearts, which would be another franchise uh discussion for a later date yeah because we're right? we're kind of we're kind of running out of time and since we've come to finally a point <laughs> we, yes. we always do um i want to thank everyone for listening to or watching this week's episode uh you can find us on twitter um at footy pod you can find us on youtube um just footy podcast you can there's a search bar. You can you guys know how to use it. Um, otherwise, um, thank you, Lauren, for talking again with me this week. I always enjoy it. And for those of you out there listening or watching, um, please stay safe in these trying times. Stay healthy. And as I tell and my- And play Persona 5. <laughs>